you stand with us? Let's praise the Lord. Give him a good hand clap of praise. Hallelujah.
this may be a silly question, but I want to know if there's any on fire, thankful, born again believers here this morning. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm thankful for that because that means that we're in the right place. We've come to the right place because wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's there amongst them. And I, for one, want to get back into his presence this morning. And I say get back because, see, one of the wonderful things about being involved in every service here is that you get a little preview of what is coming in the next service. And see, we've already had one very powerful service this morning. And he moved, and you need to hold on to your seats this morning because Pastor Ray has brought a message. A message that's going to edify. Hallelujah. You can be seated for a moment, if you don't mind. Very thankful. Today, if you're here for the first time and you're visiting with us or maybe you're fairly new to the church, we want to thank you for being here and we hope that you found your home. And we'd like to get to know you. So after service today, back here in our conference room, which is a room right behind the foyer, we're going to be back there. The staff is going to be back there and pastors so we can get to know you and help get you connected in the church. We'd really like to see you there this afternoon. And today, this morning, just before service, I saw a very special guest walk in that's with us this morning, Myrtle Watkins. If you'd stand, please, Myrtle. We love you. We thank you for home with us this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful woman of God. We're so thankful that she's home with us today. So today's going to be a good day. Amen? It's always a good day when we come to worship the one who's worthy. So we're so thankful that you're here with us. And we need to get going with this service so we can get into his presence. So if you would stand up this morning. Again, get our calisthenics going. Get out in the aisles. Walk around, shake hands, love on one another. And welcome each other to the service this morning.
Well, good morning. You may be seated. How many of you have ever been baptized in the old creek? Way down. Anybody, all the creekers, you've been baptized in an old creek somewhere. Just stand up real quick. I just want to see how many of you are. Because we're in a very special club. Give it up for all these people that have been baptized in a creek. You can be seated. We're all in a very special club this morning because it feels like a creek up here. It is freezing. I'm about to die. How many of you were baptized in a warm baptismal pool? Whatever. Sorry, guys. Just stretch your hands this way. No, I'm kidding. We are. And you know, it's okay. Because one of the most important things that we do is follow the Lord and the command in His Word to be baptized. We have, this month, we have four folks who are stepping forward to be baptized in the house today. Amen. Amen. If you remember Jesus Himself, stepped down into the waters, looked at John, and said, baptize me, John. While he looked and he said, Lord, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. He said, I'm not even worthy to unlatch your sandals. But he said, let it be so. And he set an example for you and I that part of our Christian experience is that we make a declaration. That we make a testimony of our lives and it begins when we repent of our sins and accept the Lord Jesus into our lives and then in the Bible it teaches us that we are then to make a public proclamation. We're to make a confession to the entire world, kind of like a marriage. We are to come together in a beautiful sense of ceremony and follow the Lord into baptism, representing his, his coming to this earth, his birth, his death. And then his resurrection. And boy, there is power when we come together to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's power in this place today. And I'm so thankful for these that have made that it's, it's actually a little warmer already. Well, <laughs> I'm thankful for these that have made that decision, made that public confession. that They're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism today. We first have a young man. His name is Josiah Hicks. He came to his mom and dad, and he shared with them that he had desire, that he wanted. He was ready in his life to be baptized. So, Josiah. He refrains from any testimonial, but Josiah has definitely made it clear that he loves the Lord Jesus, and today he's proving that. He wants to follow the Lord in front of all of you and confess that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior and be baptized today. And Josiah, my buddy, it's my privilege and honor as your pastor to baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
next coming to be baptized, Sarah Jones. Christ in your life. I can see by the tears in your eyes you're ready to follow him. In proclamation and declaration that he is your Lord and Savior. As you determine to live and honor him and serve him all the days of your life, it's my honor as your pastor to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. coming, we have Victor Ulari. Victor, you want to tell the group? Brother Victor has accepted the Lord Jesus in his life, making that commitment, that dedication to the Lord. Today it's his desire to stand here before you, before God in heaven and declare that he's his Lord and his Savior all the days of his life. And Victor, because of that confession, it's my honor as your pastor to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. this morning. Isn't this wonderful? Somebody say amen. Mr. Brad Klotz. Brother Brad is, is a young man who's made his declaration, his confidence in God as his Savior. Wants to serve him with all of his heart. This young man will be leaving for the military in a couple of weeks. Before he left, he wanted to make sure that not only is he, you know, everything in the world is right with him in the Lord, but he wants to be baptized today. I want us to honor that. Amen. Brad, because of that declaration and because of your love for Christ, I believe the Lord is leading and ordering your steps. He's placed you in a wonderful family, with a wonderful child, and I'm believing that God's going to bless you and keep you as you serve your country and as you serve your Savior. Amen. Amen. It's my privilege as your pastor to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's honor and lift our hands to the Lord today and give him honor and give him praise. Father, we thank you. We honor you for these. We celebrate with them. It touches our hearts. And Lord, we remember when you changed our lives forever. We give you honor and praise today. And we thank you for these that, Lord, are making that commitment and that dedication in their lives. I pray you will strengthen them, that you will be with them as they declare you are Lord over their lives. God, we pray for them as a church family and ask your strength to go with them. For your hand of great, great blessing and favor to be with them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. 
And everyone together said amen. Amen. One more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord this morning. Just a minute, we're, I'm going to read a scripture and we're going to pray for Israel. But uh, I thought of what the young man said who's going into the service, how he wanted to have everything in order. You know, every day we need to live like that. Keep everything in order and put God first. That was a wonderful testimony to us. I remember when I was baptized. How many of you remember when you were baptized? Praise the Lord. Do you see my beautiful flowers? Someone brought those to me today. They love me, and they thought it was Mother's Day, and you know I did too. <laughs> I thought it was Mother's Day until yesterday, and then my son called and said, Mom, we're not going out tomorrow. We're going away because it's not Mother's Day. <laughs> so he thought it was Mother's Day, and I did too. Did any of you think it was Mother's Day today? Let me see your hand. Everybody close your eyes. Now raise your hand if you thought it was Mother's Day. See, there was quite a few of us. So we're not disappointed. But let me read you a scripture about Israel, the land that God loves. The name, the over 2,000 times in the Bible, God mentions Israel, the nation of Israel. And here's the verse. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. And, you know, that was where the, their persecution started, was when they had increased and God had blessed them so in, the, in, the, in Egypt. So the Lord looked down and saw that, and he asked us to pray and bless those people. Uh, many times throughout the Bible, they started with trying to kill all the babies before they were born because Israel's nation was growing so fast. But God makes them fruitful and blesses them. And, it, and if we pray for Israel, the Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And he gives us other scriptures to tell us to pray for them, that his blessings will be on them. So that's what we're going to do today. And we want to know if you have a, anybody have a special unspoken request today, and you'd raise your hand all over the building. We want to pray for the special needs. Yes, all right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wonderful baptismal service. Thank you for these that have come to give their testimony that they know you have saved them. That they have answered their conscience and come before you to follow the example that you set for us. Thank you for the wonderful nation of Israel, Lord, that you have placed upon this earth. And you have called those people and blessed them abundantly because they are your special chosen people. So we pray for their protection today, Lord. Watch over them. Make them a blessing to this world and let a revival break out in that nation so that they turn to you with all of their hearts. Grant it, Lord Jesus, and every hand that was raised. You are faithful. Your eyes behold the bank, all of us throughout the earth, Lord. Your eyes run to and fro to behold you. And you see the needs that we all have today. So we, we pray for every need. Those that are visiting today, bless them abundantly, Lord. They've come to your house. And we just pray your blessings upon them. Supply every need in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you would like to have the staff pray for you this morning. They're coming forward at this time. They'll pray with you about any special needs you have. 
Feel this 
We are continuing in the same atmosphere of pray. We do want to pray for the Locke family and also the Bates family. This is uh, Nicole Locke up here in the uh, orchestra. Her grandmother passed away this morning. So we just want to remember that family, the Bates family, that are spread out through the sanctuary here. We want to pray for them today as they have lost a mom, a grandmother, uh, somebody very special. Let's just pray for them. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we feel your presence here. God, we honor you and thank you for that. We just appreciate you being here. Lord, you're bigger than our understanding, our thoughts, our emotions. And God, your word talks about you being the God of all comfort. Lord, we just pray that you would go and be with this family and wrap your arms around them to, to love them and to take care of them and to look out for them. We just pray that you would be with them now and over the next few days, God, that your work and will would be accomplished for them and you would give them peace and rest. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. If you would, you can be seated. We're getting ready to go into our offering time. Here at our church, you know, we always talk about, uh, we give the opportunity for people to pay their tithes and to give in the offering. And we always give our offering to missionaries all around the world. And, and you can look at that and think, well, that, we don't know exactly what that means or what all entails. We have missionaries literally almost on every continent or maybe on every continent in the world that we support. And when you put a dime or a dollar or $5 or $10 in the plate, loose offering this morning, it's going to go to the field all around the world. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like people being taken care of. It's the gospel being preached to folks. It's people being able to have a church in Quito, Ecuador, where there's gang war everywhere. They're able to get together in a place to worship. Down in uh, South America at the Children of the Dump, the hope for children, hope for the dump. Down there, it's, it looks like water, clean water. It looks like the gospel being preached. And over in Romania, it's clean water there. It's medical care. It's missionaries there working and touching the gypsies and those that are uh, hard up. 
It's the gospel going out all over Europe. It's little orphans being taken care of in Africa. All that from Alaska to Australia, all over the world, your dollar, your dime is going to change the look on somebody's face today from hunger, from a smile, from a frown to a smile, to peace in their heart and a change in their life. When you give, it doesn't stay here. We don't cut a number off the top and keep that. We give to the world in our morning offerings. So just take heart and be at peace. When you throw something in there, God takes care of it and uh, it ministers to people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're here and we want to enter in to your economy. God, we want to enter into your work so we give today. God, not grudgingly, not mad and ticked off because we're just not happy because somebody asked for money, but God, we know that we're in your hands, that we're in your process. God, that your work is going to bless and touch lives of people all around this world. You're going to make a difference that's going to be incredible, one that will last for all eternity. God, you're going to minister to folks. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless everywhere that the offering goes, every heart, every life, every missionary, Lord, that's going to be blessed today because we gave. We pray that you would be there. And, Lord, we pray that you would be under this roof, in this house, and that you would touch every heart and life, every family that's giving, Lord, trusting and obedience to know that you're our God. We pray that you would just have your way here today, Lord, to bless and to take care of this day, this service this house. In the name of Jesus, amen.
How many of you know that he is an excellent God? He's a great and mighty God. The first and the last is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is all in all. He's the only omnipotent God, all-powerful, omniscient God, omnipresent God. He is master of the universe, and we are here today to worship him to honor him in his house. Amen? Amen. So good to see you in God's house this morning. Boy, how excellent is thy name. Several folks, and we, we made mention that Sister Myrtle is here today. I wanted to greet her. I was up in that cold creek, and I didn't get to say hello. Sister Myrtle, we love you, First Lady of our church. We honor you today. We thank you for being with us. She will always be very, very special to this church and congregation. If you are new to our church and you don't know who she is, her husband, our pastor, W.D. Watkins, Walter Watkins, was pastor of this church for 18 years. He came to our church when we were in a devastating split in 1989. 
and the church had been practically just buried. It was so just, just distraught and discouraged. But he came in. We called him Brother Love. And he spent 18 years bringing us to the mountain where we are right now. He built this building. He was our pastor, a father, a spiritual father to me, and a wonderful man. He passed away one year ago uh, in January, and we miss him terribly. But boy, we sure are glad to see her today. She reminds us of the grand years that we had here. And since there ain't been nobody else step up, you're still the pastor's wife. So you're, you're just still, you'll just be the grand first lady. But we're glad that you're here. Also glad that Phyllis and I see Brother Gus is here with him. Grandmother, I got your name down here, Geneva Davis. You're Josiah's great-grandma, is that right? Wonderful, great to have you all. Phyllis, we love it when you get to come home. Gus, great to see you again. God bless you all, and thank you for being with us. We know why you were here, you know, here to see grandson get baptized. Just so wonderful. And also, in our prayers, you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to remember the Markham family. I know that we made mention of, the, of Mary Bates' mother and Nicole Locke's grandmother, who passed away in the evening last night. We also want to remember that uh, Judy Markham passed away as well. If you remember, her husband, Fred Markham, passed away just, just recently. And uh, I knew when I left her house that evening, I could see the broken heart. And it just wasn't very long before she was promoted and joined him in heaven. She died over the weekend, and we're praying for the Markham family, the Von Burge family. They go to our church, and we want to remember them all of them and also very sad to, to let you know that sister Shelby Thompson it used to be Shelby Stevens passed away as well this week so we want to remember the Stevens family um, her son Kevin wonderful a guy named Mike or his other brother we want to remember them the services will be on Monday but uh, all these that we're going to be praying for and asking God to be with them before we pray and before we read the scripture I also want to say Happy birthday to an incredible and wonderful lady in our church. She is a spiritual mama here. Her name is Sister Marie Oni, and she turned 90 years old this week. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Happy birthday to you. Amen. She's wonderful. I walked, came by the party yesterday, and she had on this hat that had lights all over it that was blinking. And they said that when I, I had to uh, do a wedding yesterday, so I didn't get there until the very end. They said when the doorbell rang, she said, oh, good, another person. <laughs> Sister Marie, we love you very much, and happy birthday to you. Your church loves you. You turn 90 years old, you'll get a song, too. <laughs> Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. The Lord genuinely moved in our first service. The powerful move of the Lord... Several folks were blessed, but one lady in particular came up and 
weeping, she shared with me that God had spoke directly to her. I figured it needed to be something like that because I wrestled all week long with this message and kept starting and stopping and throwing away and starting over. And three times in, this word came to me this morning and the Lord let me know it was from more than one. So I'm believing that not only have those who needed it in first service, that there will be someone here today that will receive a word, not from the preacher, a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. I've entitled this message, Beauty for Ashes. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah writes. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings or good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we thank you that over the next few minutes, there's going to be some work from heaven done in this place. I'm believing, Holy Spirit, that you will have a grand testimonial from the people who trust and love their God that you have been here today to meet their needs. I pray that you will touch us, challenge us, speak to us by your precious word as we give ourselves to you in all that we surrender. Lord, our lives, our circumstances, our families, our heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen. You can be seated. The God of the Bible is not only the God that saves us. The God of the Bible is also the God who delivers us, who heals us, who remakes us, who rescues us, who finishes what he starts in us, and the God that releases us. I want you to turn to someone and say release. God intends to release some folks in here this morning. I'm believing that is the word that God spoke to my heart in preparation and prayer over this service, that you are going to receive a word from the Lord, that God is going to give you an empowerment for your work in him, your love for him, and he is going to bless and touch your life. Jesus Christ sees something in you that no one else sees. A lot of folks will tell you, boy, that one's got great potential. A lot of folks will talk about their potential. Or what they could do, or if they were, all things were equal and they had everything they needed, they talk about the potential that ins, that's inside of them. I want you to know something about God. God is not just looking at the potential. When we were children, we sang a song about 
a, we were a great big bundle of potentiality. And we are, and that's true. But I'm here to tell you this morning something that goes a little bit deeper than that. God wants you and I to know that he sees not just your potential, but he sees what he has designed for you and planned for you from the very first day of your life. God has something in store for every person that's ever been born. There's not one of you in here today that was someone's accident or a second thought. Someone told me many years ago, they said, you know, my mama told me that I was an accident. I wasn't really planned for. You may not have been planned for by mama and daddy, but you were planned for by God. God knows who you are, where you're from. God has his hand on your life. You are a son or a daughter of Abraham. Do you know what that means? That's not a casual statement I'm making right there. You are a son or a daughter of Abraham. That means all the promises of God's holy word to Abraham and to his descendants that shall be as many as the stars in heaven, they belong to you and I. You can claim hold on them and every promise given from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it belongs to those children of Abraham, the sons and daughters of Adam. You and I have been given wonderful promises from God. God sees in you not just your potential. He sees the plan. He sees the purpose. He sees the destiny that he has for you. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't matter where you've come from or what you've been through. God sees in you not just what can happen now, what can happen because you have a college degree, not what can happen because you just got a promotion. God sees the plan that he had for you when Jeremiah penned the words that he said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, desires, destiny, hope. God has that for every one of us. It was Zacchaeus in scripture. He was an evil man, a, a robber, if you will, a tax collector. He had done people wrong. He had done all kinds of things, but he had heard about Jesus. Somehow he had heard the story, and he was just moved by it. So much so, the Bible tells us he wanted to know him. So he thought, you know, he could get to that crowd and find him a spot somewhere along the line and be able to shake his hand or introduce himself to him. But he, he was too short, you know, the story, Zacchaeus. Climbed up inside of a tree, got up in the limb up there so he could see this man. Talk about desire, talk about hunger, talk about somebody who wanted to know about the Lord. Oh, for a hunger like that today where people will genuinely want to know the Lord for themselves. I, I don't want a preacher telling me. I don't want a church designating to me what all I'm supposed to know about him. I want to know him for myself. And Zacchaeus, something had happened down inside of his heart that he wanted to know the Lord for himself. And that kind of confidence and that kind of pursuing of God, it paid off because as the Lord mingled, mingled down through that crowd, he looked over at Zacchaeus up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down from here for I'm coming to your house today. How many of you want him to come by your house this afternoon? I want him to come to my house. When he had, it says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Luke 19, verse 5. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, you know who they are. How many of you know who they are? There's always a they in the crowd, isn't there? But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, 
He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Can I just say this? I said this once before. If there aren't sinners in your life, then you don't understand the business of the kingdom and God's work in the earth. There ought to be people who need Jesus in your life. There ought to be people in your life that you're ministering to, that you're witnessing to, that you're being an example to. People that you are a witness to the resurrecting power of Christ in their lives. If all you are is surrounded by a bunch of your Christian friends, that's all well and it's good for you. It helps you to be strong and gives you a good tea party in the afternoon. But if you and I are going to do the work of the kingdom, then you and I need to be about the Father's business in a lost and dying world because he's looking to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the work of the kingdom. They complained. He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and told the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He was confessing and admitting that he had been a cheater, a robber, and a liar. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he is also the son of Abraham. I like that. Because I'm claiming that. I'm laying hold on that. So I'm going to start introducing myself. My name is Ray Phillips, son of Abraham. (laughs) Then Jesus goes on to to say those powerful words that let the whole world know and let everyone who reads scripture know what his purpose and what his design was for coming to this earth. He said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. But he's also come to do something else. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. But there are other scriptures that lead us to understand that he's even going deeper than that. The Lord wants to go deep into your life and mine. So much deeper than you and I can even imagine. He not only intends on taking care of our sin. But he means to root out the work of sin in our lives too. God wants to do more than just give you a free pass. He just wants to do more than give you a go past jail and don't collect $200. The Lord wants to do more than just give you a fresh pat on the back and set you free from your prison and from your sins. He wants to root out that evil work of sin in your life, the influence of sin. He wants to do a work in you to complete the work. that He wants to destroy the works of the devil. Every enemy that has ever tried to come against you and I, any enemy that the enemy that, that has tried to tempt us and, and discourage us and use weapons against us in this life, in this world, God not only intends to save you, forgive you of your sins, but God wants to destroy the work that has been against you in your life. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty amazing, actually. I really think a lot of folks don't understand that because in the church we've been real good about, I mean, we had, we had, uh, 17, they said, 17 saved at the jail ministry yesterday. Isn't that wonderful? But let me, let me give you an illustration of something. If we, if we understand it correctly, and, and thank God for those who go into the jail and minister to those in, in the jail ministry and, and get the message to them while they're still in jail. You know, th- there's a stat- statistic that talks to us about people that have been uh, released from jail, uh, 
a lot of folks here lately had been even just kind of exercised out of jail and, and given their freedom. But the, the statistics tell us that when people are just sent out of jail and just, you know, sent out like they are, they tend to go back. Some by the first week. Some, there are some statistics that say that people that, that, that have been in the, the dregs of, of sin and they've been in you know, jail and in and out of it, when they, when they get free from it, they're most likely to go back to it if they haven't been restored, and we call it rehabilitated, if they haven't had a change in their life. There has to be a change in their lives or they're going to go right back to what they know, right back to the same old lifestyle, the same old friends, and the same old trouble. And that's the way it is. The church doesn't realize it sometimes. And for generations, I'm afraid we've been a little guilty of, of people coming to the altar or, or coming to us and we lead them in prayer to accept Christ in their life. We pat them on the back and say, you're free, man. You're a, you're a child of God. All your sins is forgiven. And then we send them right back out into the world to go back to the same neighborhood, the same friends, same family, same lifestyles and situations, and they end up living like they was before. But we've got to understand that there's more. That God has more than just giving you a receipt at the altar for salvation full and free. He wants to do a work inside you and I. He said it best in the scriptures. He said, I'm going to take out that heart that's in you and I'm going to put a new heart in you. He said, behold, anyone who's in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away and all things become new. He wants to give you and I a brand new start, a brand new mind, a renewing in our spirit and mind. He wants to give us strength to overcome and to live out victory in our hearts and lives. That's what he said. That's why this scripture is here. You know, we understand that Isaiah wrote this to Israel. They had been in, in rebellion. They had been in all kinds of trouble. They were up and down, wishy-washy, in and out. And they had been under the judgment of God, the discipline of God. How many of you are thankful that the Lord loves you enough to sometimes correct you? I've been corrected so many times. I, I, I appreciate that. The Bible says he chastens those he loves. If God loves you, he's going to chasten. He's going to look out after you. He's going he's to take care of business in your life to correct you at times when you need it. And we all do. 1 John 3 and 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He wants to get down to the root of what's in your life and mine, and he wants to root it out. He wants us to be cleansed, washed, and delivered. So in this scripture to Isaiah, as he was giving this to them, it was a mercy mission. God was giving Isaiah a mercy mission to go to the children of Israel and declare to them that God was sending love and mercy back into their lives and they would be restored. And he said, I'm going to come. I I've got good news. I'm anointed to preach you good news now. There's been judgment and discipline for a long time, but I'm here to now give you some good news. Here it is. The good news is, he is going to mend the broken hearts. He's going to set those free that are bound up and in, in, in need liberty. He's going to set those free, completely take them out of prison and set them on a path of liberty. The captive are free. The, the, the prisoners are free. And the broken hearts are going to be mended. He said, I'm going to turn it all around because he means to do more than just release you from your circumstance. God wants to finish a work inside of you. He wants to help you and I. So that means it's true. It was prophetic words that Joseph spoke when he had spoken to his brothers. And there they were in the palace where he was running the country. 
But you know the story. Joseph was thrown in the pit as a young boy by his brothers, betrayed by his own family. And then he, they, they didn't know what to do. Some of them felt a little sorry, so slaves, uh, slave traders came along and they sold him into slavery. And he ended up in prison. And, and, and you know how the story, falsely accused, and all kinds of trials and troubles in his life. Joseph went through it all. He went, you know, many preachers have preached a powerful and wonderful message called From the Pit to the Palace. It's a great message. I, I love that message. I'd like to preach it sometime. But I know that, that in that situation and in that story, what's so cool and evident is that, that there is a, a situation that arises where the brothers end up in the palace begging for the mercy that Joseph was able to give them because of everything that he's been through. And Joseph looks at them and speaks the most powerful words, some of the most beautiful words about the work of God in all of our lives. He says in Genesis 50 and 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day, in other words, everything that has happened, he's saying, has happened in order to bring us to this very moment to save many people alive. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your captivity is. I don't know what your prison is. I don't know what your brokenness is. But I do know this, God intends if you will hang on and not let go or give in, if you will stay the course and have faith and you'll not throw in the towel at the last stretch, if you'll not come this far in the race and quit before you get to the finish line, if you'll make it all the way through, he promises that you are going to be a planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. He's going to make sure that every, every test, every trial, every trouble that you've ever endured, every cemetery you've walked away from, every hospital that you've ever left, you are going to stand as a testimony to the hand of Almighty God that he was with you through it all and you have been promoted and you glorified God in it. Good is coming to your house. What the enemy meant for harm against you, God means to work it for good. We know the scripture, Romans 8 and 27 says, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. Now, is that sometimes a few things, some things, or is that all things? All things work together for good. You don't even know where I'm going today. I'm telling you, I'm believing. If we'll grab hold of this this morning, there is going to be victory in this house for some folks who've been carrying around some brokenness and some hurt and some wounding for a long, long time. God intends on setting you free this morning. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus intends on setting the captives free. Placing God in control of your life, is it goes beyond just rearranging the circumstances and the stuff in your life. Many of you ladies, you, uh, some, some guys will do it in the garage, I think. We like to call it spring cleaning. I like it. You, you, you go through and you clean everything. You clean the windows, the screens, the floors. You move the furniture to the other side of the room. And everybody comes home from their day and they're like, what in the world happened? 
chairs are in one place that were over here before, and now everybody's just moved all around, and it all just looks so fresh and brand new. And everyone says, ooh, it just looks so nice. It looks so brand new, but really, technically, nothing has changed. It's been washed. It's been swept. It's been moved around from one side of the other. But it's still the same old stuff. It's still right there, right? A lot of folks treat their relationship with Jesus just like that. They live their life. They, they want to come forward and get clean. And they love when they get clean. It might have been a, a song that was anointed. It might have been a good preached word. It might have been a prayer or a Bible study. And they'll just, they'll repent and, and they'll confess. And they'll give that to God. And the Lord is good and faithful to his word. That he, if you'll come to him, he will always cleanse, wash, and forgive. So there they are. They stand clean. But all they did was just move all the furniture around. All they did was just shuffle everything around. They still go back to the same life, the same friends, the same everything. And in that process, they end up in trouble all over again. I want to tell you that deeper work of God in your life is that he wants to do more than just rearrange your furniture. He wants to absolutely give you a brand new start, a brand new life in him. He wants to turn it all upside down. And it's a promise to every generation. Jesus took the words of Isaiah and he stood in the middle of the temple. And when he stood, they handed him the books to the parchments of Isaiah. And he opened it up and he looked at them and he read those words. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to the downtrodden. He said, I, he will mend the broken hearts and he will set at liberty those who are captive and the opening of the prison to those who have been in bondage. He then goes on to say that he's going to give you the garments of, of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning, and he's going to give you beauty for your ashes. In other words, God isn't coming to just switch everything around and clean it up. God is coming to replace it. He's not coming even just to change. God is coming to exchange the bad for the good. He's going to take the ugly and he's going to make it pretty. He's going to take out the unuseful and he's going to put things together that's going to transform and change your whole life. Oh, if you'll just get this, you won't carry a knapsack full of garbage anymore. You'll let down the past. You'll let the hurts and the wounds go. You'll go back and find somebody that, that needs forgiveness or you need to forgive in your life and you're not going to have a problem with it anymore because you're realizing and knowing what good is it to carry those things around and just keep moving them from one side of the heart to the other let God be God and turn it upside down in your life Holy Spirit thank you we honor you today actually in Acts, we read how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, and God was with them. There's a battle for your heart, and God means to win that battle. God means to win the battle over your heart. It hurts my own heart when so many folks you know, go through trials and troubles, especially this week, those that have lost loved ones, it, it rips my heart out, it rips our other pastors, it rips their hearts out to, to go through those hurts with people and to see the sadness in their hearts. But I am telling you, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, there is still a wonderful peace 
there is a comfort, there is a joy even in knowing that there is not a sorrow that is helpless or hopeless when you belong to God. There is a difference in how a Christian mourns over a loved one. There's a difference. You know, we talk about those that we've lost this last year, Sister Myrtle, and you've gone through a tremendous loss. We, we all lost him with you. We understand what that's like, and I think of him often. I have, have a hard time sometimes walking around this new building. I'm looking the other day, and I said, boy, I sure wish that Brother Watkins could see this. I, I was with Lori and Brian, his grandson. And, and granddaughters, and, and I looked at them the other day, I was with them, and I said, man, I, the only thing I wish is I wish Brother Watkins could see how it's running now with kids down in that nursery and youth down in that auditorium. And, and I know, there, while I say that in one breath, I think about another, and it was somebody here from the church looked at me and said, you know what, I bet he's seen it already about ten times. Because we have a hope and a confidence. We have this hope in us that there is another day coming. There is a resurrection day, a reunion day for all of us. We have this, we carry this victory inside of us. Death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? We have confidence in our God that everything is going to work out for the good. That he says, I'm going to change your situation completely. Jesus when he read those words, he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. It says, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them these powerful words. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And what that means to us is Jesus was letting us know in that moment that he who will never leave us, never forsake us, will go with us to the end of the age. He is the one that is anointed, not only here to walk with you and I in strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a, a child of the living God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And greater is he that is in me now than he that is in the world. Not only do I have that promise here, but I've also got that omnipotent, omniscient God at the right hand of the Father interceding for me at every turn. I can't lose. There's no way a child of God can ever, ever find themselves forsaken or lost in their circumstances or in this world. Jesus was saying right then, hey, this, this prophecy... This word that came down through Isaiah, it comes down now and today is being fulfilled. Every man, woman, boy and girl who believes and accepts Jesus Christ into their life. You are meant for so much more. You are meant for more than you're living. You are meant for more than you'll ever imagine. If you will trust and have confidence in him today, there is a promise for every trial and trouble that you go through. Even when you go through the fire. Even when you go through the fire, I'm closing today, and Gary, I want you to get ready to help me. That beauty for ashes, all week long, I, I kept going back to the beauty for ashes, beauty for ashes. You know, the custom was in the Old Testament that when you had troubles and trials and death and you had all kinds of things going on, the custom was that you'd get sackcloth and you'd sit down in the ashes. The ashes was a sign to everybody around you. Listen, leave me alone. I'm going through it. I'm going through a hard time. I don't need your mess. I don't need you. I, I'm in sackcloth and ashes. I'm in mourning. I'm in grief. I'm in trial. I'm in trouble. I'm sick. I've got all kinds of, we know Job sat down in the sackcloth and ashes. 
his friends came by. Sometimes your good friends, they'll get sackcloth and they'll sit down in the ashes with you. His wife stood out and said, you need to curse your God and die. David, when his, son, when his child was sick and dying, the Bible says he put on sackcloth and ashes and he just sat. He just waited. Sackcloth was the custom. Jesus, anointed by the Holy Spirit, said, today's a new day. Now when you're going through those troubles and those trials and that fire, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to replace you. No more ashes. No more sackcloth. You stay true and you stay firm and you endure to the end. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished the race, I kept the faith. Oh, there's no grander testimony, Gene, than that one. No greater testimony, Marty, than that one. Stay true to the end. Oh, how sad those that will come through and they've been in ministry or, or they've, they've served in the church and they've been faithful all through the years and you'll see them. I've run into a few folks and I'll see them and they won't catch me in the eye and they'll just keep their eyes down. I'll say, man, I... I miss you. Yeah, well, you know, I just kind of got away from it. I'm sorry to hear that. Is there anything I can do for you? Oh, no, man, you know, I just, I just don't do that church thing anymore. God bless you, brother. Nothing sadder than someone who somehow their religion, their confidence, their faith was all based on us church, a preacher, denomination, Christian, nothing sadder than that, than the one who paints a brand new sunset and sunrise every morning, has never failed anybody nor lost one battle, when the one who gave his life promise to never leave you, to always be there, when that one is so faithful to you, never, never, never want to let you go through anything alone, when he says you go through the waters, I'll be with you, you'll never go through the flood, but what I won't snatch you up out, even the fire itself, it won't burn, kindle against you said in his word to Joshua, he said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. This God that loves us, I don't understand people that can't, that can't recognize that and they don't get so deep down inside that, that relationship with God where the embrace of him doesn't stay with you forever. I don't understand the coldness and I don't understand the, the people that get so disconnected from him, I can't comprehend that. I'm telling you, there's nothing grander or greater than knowing every day when you get up and when you lay your head on your pillow at night that you have peace with the master of the universe. There's nothing more amazing. Psalm 46 and 1, the psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, 
Though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Job said, I know you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Paul said, no matter what I go through, there will be, never be a temptation that will take me off course. But with everyone, he'll always give me a way of escape. The child of God who genuinely knows him, you've genuinely embraced him. You have come to understand him. I'm looking out over the audience and I'm, I'm seeing Beverly, your mom and dad. Precious, wonderful people went through a lot of trials, went through a lot of troubles. But you know what? Through the last days of their life, there was a hand as weak as it might be that went up saying, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I'll not fail to trust him all the way to the end. I'm walking on gold. If it kills me, I'll not fail to the left or right. I won't throw in the towel. I can see Brother Cleveland this morning. He's still shouting. He's still having him a good time. And boy, is he ever preaching. He had quite a few years to make up. He was preaching and sharing the good news of the great gospel of Jesus Christ that is a promise to every one of us that we are going to make it if you will hang on and not let go. I promise you, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging for bread. I've never seen those who have trusted in God on their deathbed ever denounce it or walk away from it. Those that have held their faith and kept their confidence, they go out singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I went to Australia 10 years ago. It's been 10 years. And I appreciate, I think it was Jack Baker that bought this for me. Banksia tree bark. I was in Australia, and if anybody knows me, you know I'm an, I'm an Aussie nut. I have an Australia room at my house. Every now and again, I'm liable to break out in the middle of preaching and sound a bit like an Aussie. You never know. I've got friends there. I've got a goddaughter there. Been there three times. Once on a mission trip was where I met this family, and they adopted me, and I got a beautiful little goddaughter out of that. But I love the kangaroos, koala bears, and I love all that. Yeah, yeah, Livy Newton, John too. <laughs> we were there and Jeremy Chapman, the Connie and Lawton Chapman's son, he is still in doctor school. Me and him went on a trip 10 years ago it was to celebrate becoming pastor. So I saved up for a year and a half and I went. We had a good time. We ended up, we, we decided to take one of them day tours. Well, there were buses everywhere taking day tours up into the Blue Mountains and it was going to be beautiful. I mean, they're like the Grand Canyon with trees. It's just a gorgeous, beautiful place. We spied this guy in a little white van. He said, mates, come here. Yeah. You want to take a tour? Yeah, 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 we're going to sign up. I'll take you. I'll take you all the places nobody else goes. He said, I know all the highlights, all the great places. And I was just like, no, Jeremy, this guy might kill us. <laughs> so he gives us a real cheap price. And we looked at one another, and this other girl walks up, and, and he talks to her, and she says she'll do it. And so we're like, well, we need to go now and protect her. <laughs> so we got in this little van, and he took us everywhere. And we were jumping over bridges, and we were in, in going up dirt roads and rocky roads. He's climbing up these hills, and we're like, scared to death 
And I keep looking at Jeremy, and I'm like, okay, here's the plan. If he does anything, you go behind. I'll be in the front. We'll get him. We'll knock him down. We'll get this. We'll take the van, and we'll go. You can't drive on the left side. I know, but we'll just, we'll fake it. We're like, okay, finally, this guy takes, we pass all the buses. All the buses and all the people taking pictures. Nice overlook. That would be nice to see. And then he's like, oh, no, man, I've got a place for you. And he goes, and we're like climbing these rocks and going up this hill. He takes us all the way to the top of this ridge of this mountain. And I looked at Jeremy and I said, this is the place we die. This is it. <laughs> and we park up at the top of this hill. And he gets out of the van. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. Jeremy's like, what is this? I'm like, this is, this is terrible. This, this is not even pretty. This, this entire ridge is charcoal black. It's been burnt to a crisp. There's been a fire here. And I looked at Jeremy, and I'm like, Jeremy's like, the girl is just like, she's from, I think, from Japan. So she was just like, and we're all standing there. And he says, look at this, boys. And I'm like, very nice. Can we go now? And he's like, oh, you're going to have to take a look. Look a little deeper. This ridge right here, Matesy says it's been waiting eight years for the fire. And I said, excuse me? He said, oh, this is a butte right here. But you ought to see what this ridge is going to look like. And I was just like, and he says, you don't get it. And I'm like, no. He said, you ever heard of a Banksia tree? I said, no, sir. We have the First National Bank, but I don't have. Come here. So I was like, this might be where we go. This is it. Watch closely, Jeremy. You stay behind me. We're getting close. He takes us to the edge of the mountain. And I look down, and the whole ridge, brother, is charcoal black. It's burnt to a crisp. He says, see those pods on the side of the tree? I'm like, yeah. He's like, go have a look. He said, you see... Those pods, they've been waiting on the fire. Just every one of those trees. Look at all the trees. He said, they've all got them. I said, yeah. He said, they've been waiting on the fire. He said, go look inside. So I went down. I get close to the tree. I'm looking inside the pod, and it was all cracked open. Charred black. And I looked down inside, and inside there, of the most beautiful yellow and fluorescent orange buds you've ever seen in your life. All these seeds, they were, and they all had little flowers on them. Thousands of them were in here. And he said, that one pod right there, he said, that'll fill up this whole side of the ridge. He said, multiply it by all these trees. He said, this is going to be amazing. He said, it's all, when the, as soon as the wind catches those things, out of those crack cases, he said, they go flying all over this ridge, this whole mountain, the valley on the other side, all down through there. He said, this ridge has been waiting eight years to have a baby. And he said, it's getting ready to give birth to a beautiful mountain range right here. He said, this is what it's been waiting on. He said, the Banksia tree only reproduces in fire. 
He said, fire is the only thing that cracks open those buds you see, those pods you see on those trees. He says, and so however long it waits, it waits for a good fire. He says, and when it has a fire, they crack open. The wind catches those seeds, and it completely reproduces all over this entire mountain range. He said, this is an amazing, beautiful spot right here. And I thought for a minute, I stood there, and all of a sudden, tears welled up in my eyes, and I knew while I was, I knew why I was there. I stood there looking at that range, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, some things are only birthed in fire. I stood there with tears in my eyes, and the Lord said, that's the message you're taking home from Australia. You're going to preach that at your church. So there are people that are going through the fire and they think because they've been burnt and the fire has come and it's made everything desolate and empty and it's ugly and it doesn't look good anymore. It isn't beautiful anymore. When they're broken and cracked, they think it's over. Except you're going to go back and tell them, oh no. That's just the beginning. Sometimes we go through the fire. But when we do, Sister Boyer, Brother Boyer, when we do, the Bible is clear and the Lord is clear to tell us we're going to come out like gold on the other side. He promises that when there are some things you're going to go through that's going to look like you can't go any further. It's going to look helpless and hopeless. It's going to look like there is nothing that can good that can come out of it. But God will take the charred, broken, cracked ruins of your life sitting in the sackcloth and ashes and he says, I have a plan to bring beauty for your ashes. I have a plan to bring victory to this battle. And God is promising to every one of us in this house this morning It was late last night when the Lord said, oh, it's been about 10 years since you told them about the Banksia and about the fire. It's about 10 years ago now. Guess what? You get to tell them again tomorrow. And I couldn't hardly stand it. I was waiting to get here. And what he let me know is there's somebody in here today. You feel broken. You feel like you're at the end. You feel like you're standing and all of your circumstances has burnt to the ground. And there's nothing left. And you feel like every part of you is cracked wide open. But God is sending a message to you this morning. He says, look down inside those ashes because there is beauty coming to your house. There's beauty coming to your life. God is going to resurrect from the dead the very dreams and plans and destiny that he has for you. He's got a plan for you this morning. Stand with me. What the enemy meant for harm against you, what he meant, for bad and evil against you. God is going to work it for good. How many are ready for that to happen this morning? Oh, hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you now. I know there's people in here today. Lord, you re- I, I started three messages. It was the third one. Lord, there was a wrestling match all week long. Now, I know, Lord, it probably had a lot to do with who's here today and that they were making up their mind to come or not come. And they didn't know what they were going to do. And, Lord, you were sending this message. I believe with all my heart there's someone is here today. You've gone through that fire. 
You've gone through the fire that you thought was desolation. Everything's ugly. Everything's destroyed. Nothing is left. It's a charred, ugly mess. And you don't see no hope. You don't see no answer. But God has given you a beautiful, precious word today. There's beauty for your ashes. Oh, I feel him this morning. Christians, pray with me. Giving you beauty for your ashes. You can trust him today. Inside this trial, inside this broken casing of your life and your circumstances, there are thousands and thousands of testimonies. People that will be saved. People that will be transformed and changed. Your own situations are going to be made brand new. And what the enemy meant to destroy you with, God is going to take those very elements and use them for the beauty he's bringing to that circumstance in that life all around you. Every ridge, every valley, every mountain. All your children, all of your family, they will see the glory of God. They will know the power of God. They will see it. It's a confirmed word from the Holy Spirit. You have a promise from the Lord. He's bringing beauty for your ashes. And wherever you are in this house this morning, I felt like it was emergency 911. I feel like you have been at that end. You're at discouragement ridge. And you are standing there and you are ready to give in and give up. But oh God is breathing fresh life into you. The wind of the Holy Spirit is coming along to catch the destiny and the plan for your life. And everything's about to change. I said everything is about to change. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I want, if you would, everyone that can. There are many that cannot, and I understand you're going to stay right where you are. But if you can, I want you to get out, not only for yourself, but if not for you, for someone else to show support. I want you to get out and meet me in the altar as quickly as you can. Let's come right now. In the presence of God Almighty. Oh, Jesus, in your name we pray this morning. God, touch your people. Minister your spirit. Oh, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift your hands in honor of the presence of God. If you're standing back, would you just reach your hands towards this altar this morning? here this morning. He's here to infirm and to confirm his word in your life. Would you right where you are, would you just slip a, a hand gently on the shoulder of someone standing beside you if you're comfortable to do that? Would you just make a contact with someone in prayer right now? Just ask the Lord to now reveal his love and to show his presence and power to that word that's been spoken into their lives. Lord, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for every testimony. We thank you, Lord, for the words of life. 
We thank you, God, that there's power in this place in the name of Jesus. Let the words of God, the power of Almighty God, take, Lord, like that fresh wind, take all of those things and reproduce, Lord, the destiny you have for us. Show us the purpose and reason, not only for our life, but for the fire, for the things we've gone through. Lord, we thank you today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's time for you to believe the word of the Lord. It's time for you to believe that he's spoken to your heart right now. Not to leave this house saying, well, I don't know if that was for me or for someone else. You need to embrace that and accept that word. I'm speaking to someone here today. You need to embrace that word. And you need to declare from this moment forward that it's a brand new day. You are walking in new power. You are walking in new deliverance. You have been set free. Your heart, it may have been wounded. It may have been broken. But it's being mended right now by the Holy Spirit. Embrace that. Accept that this morning. And let God do his work in your life. The Holy Ghost is here. And he's anointed to do the work of Jesus. You may feel like you're locked up. You're in captivity by, by problems, habits, and lusts, and, and sins. God is here to completely set you free. He wants to do a work in you. Not, not tomorrow, not next month. He's doing it right now. If you'll embrace it and you'll accept that, word is for your life. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have been bound up. You've been so bound up in the circumstances that you have found yourself standing on that ridge and you are ready to give in. God says he's setting you free. In the name of Jesus, right now, embrace, accept, receive the power of God in your life. A breath fresh of wind has come into your spirit. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Sing that again. Let's all sing it together. Oh, in the presence. Let's worship him. Father, as we come to you this morning, I pray over every man, woman, boy, and girl that the words of God, the word of God that has touched us and challenged us will lead us into the miracles of your restoration and your release. I thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here. Touch every heart and every life as we give ourselves wholly and completely to you. I pray for every Christian, every believer, Lord, that your work will be done in them to breathe that fresh new life, the power of God, empowerment for your service, 
that it would be theirs today. May they come in one way, may they go out another. Blessed coming in, but blessed more so going out. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it and we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you would, just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm constrained by the Spirit of God to ask you a most important question. Are you here today and you do not have Jesus Christ living in your heart? You have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to relationship with Jesus. You haven't even started that journey. You believe, you believe He's real, but you've never really sought Him out to be your Savior in your heart and life. I want to give you that opportunity today. It's simple. I can't save you. The church can't do that. But Jesus is here to do it. He can save you. And he can do it right now where you're at. There's a simple prayer. The Bible says if a man or a woman believes in their heart, confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, asks them to come into their life and forgive them of their sins, if they believe that and they confess that, the Bible says they're saved. I want you to know that wonderful security in your spirit, that presence of power and glory and fellowship with Christ in God. I want you to know him for yourself. And if you're here today and you need to pray that prayer, would you just slip up your hand and then write back down? We're going to pray with you today. Are you here? Is there anyone at all? Pastor, I want to, amen. God bless you. Thank you, girls. Is there anyone else? These young ladies have lifted their hands to receive Christ. Anyone else? I want to pray that prayer, Pastor. All right. Let's pray it together with these two. You've made the best decision of your entire life. I'm so proud of you and happy for you. God's going to touch you and that very desire in your life. He's going to turn your whole life upside down. Everything's going to change. I'm believing that. Pursue him. And the more you pursue him, the more you're going to know about him. And we're going to help you. Here is your church. I want, where's Melissa? There she is. This lady right here. I want you to see her after service. She's going to give you a, a Bible and, and help you get started on your journey. We want to help you to be strong in God, okay? But let's pray this prayer together. Let's all help them and let's lead them to the throne this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I declare you're my Lord. Be the master of my heart. You came to this earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You are the Son of God. I believe it in my heart. I now confess it with my mouth. So I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you so much. As a reminder, you know, we have church tonight at 6 o'clock. I'll be preaching in that service. But next Sunday morning, Mother's Day, very special service. Uh, Sister Whitney Jones, our youth pastor's wife, she is going to be speaking, our special speaker on Mother's Day. You're going to enjoy her. She's a little shy. You probably haven't had three words with her, but we're going to hear a whole lot from her next Sunday. So God bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you. As you go today, we want to remind you, if you're new here today, you can go by the Welcome Center and check in. We've got a few things for you. A little bit of information. Also, if you are new to our church in the last few weeks and you would like to come by and meet the staff, talk to the pastor and spend some time with us, 
We're going to be in the conference room right across the lobby, and uh, we would love to meet you there in just a minute. God bless you.